Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a special series of discussions about US politics and the Trump presidency, or as we journalists call it, the gift that keeps on giving. I'm Freddie Gray, I'm deputy editor of The Spectator. I'm joined today by Dominic Green, who is Spectator USA's culture editor and a much enjoyed and appreciated contributor to the USA website. And we're going to be talking about the curious nature of British never-Trumpism. Dominic, I, I read a piece about this this week, and I thought I'd like to talk to you about it, because it seems to me that Britain has been anti-Trump almost, sort of, or anti-Trump as a political candidate, almost before America was. I mean, there was, in January 2016, long before he was confirmed as the party's nominee, we had a parliamentary debate about whether to ban him. And there's something about Trump that touches a particular nerve with the British. And I wonder if you would have any ideas what, what that might be. Well, well, Freddie, I think there are, there are a couple of things here. One is that he appeals to a fundamentally different kind of, of conservatism, to uh, British conservatism. The other is that a person like him, whether they're political or in public life or somebody you meet on the street, tends to rub up a certain kind of Brit the wrong way, in that he is a rude man in, in both senses of the word, in that he is without refinement and seems to enjoy poking people who think of themselves as refined, of poking them in the eye in order to get a good reaction. And that, of course, is what he has elicited simply by existing for decades, uh, long before he made a run at the White House. Mm. There was a sort of snobbery, a, a snobbery against him as a kind of coarse New Yorker before he was even known as a, as a political figure then in this country. I, I would say so. And, and let's face it, if you're going to have snobbery, then being snobbish about people like Donald Trump is, is you know, not a bad idea. He he's, uh, does not seem to be that nice a person. And as I said, seems to enjoy generally lowering the tone. None of these things are illegal, of course, and they're not necessarily damaging to uh, politics or democratic systems uh, when, of course, they exist in private life. The, the, the shock, of course... Partly, I think, in America as well as in, in Europe, is that this unqualified Yahoo has intruded into the very managerial, professionalised uh, stratum of uh, political management. Mm. I mean, he's coming here next week. He couldn't quite make it for the Spectator Party, but he he's making up for it by um, appearing next week in London on Friday the 13th, very ominously. And there's going to be enormous protests, we think. I mean, it may be that it all turn out to be a bit of a damp squib, but the Stop Trump coalition is fully expecting London to be full of tens, maybe hundreds of thousands of people stating their horror at Donald Trump. I said in this piece this week that I find it all quite silly and a bit pointless, all this protesting. But do you think it's a good sort of exercise of democratic strength? Well, it's an exercise, certainly. And uh, democracy, depending on one's view, is either reasonably strong or getting weaker mm. uh, and in its tending towards populism and maybe doing both at the same time. The, to me, it seems uh, like the difference between a, a holiday romance and a marriage in that he's just going to be dallying with the British and then dallying with the Europeans and his NATO uh, members and then presumably having a more serious tete-a-tete uh, -tete with Putin uh, on the following Sunday. But if you're an American or you're living in America, it's more like a marriage. You're, you're wedded to the office that he represents and therefore you're stuck with him and have to find a way of getting through uh, for the duration. So in that sense, it is an indulgence uh, to be able to protest, to feel you've done the right thing and then put the whole thing to bed. 
while, of course, in the United States, it's still waiting for you the next morning. Yes. And how much do you think, as somebody, as a Brit who lives in America, how much do you think that Americans will notice the protest? Or secondly, if they do notice, will be a little bit insulted that their president is being sort of booed at so loudly? Well, most of the time, Americans tend to be interested in America and not following closely what happens overseas. The difference being, of course, when a president, or even in uh, Barack Obama's case, a presidential candidate, makes a high-profile visit abroad. A lot of people who supported Obama were delighted by the way he was acclaimed in Berlin uh, Mm. when he was a candidate. A lot of the people who opposed him were disgusted as if he was attempting an unpatriotic runaround. Yes. Uh, as if he was already appealing to to the, uh, the the global liberal order when he should, in fact, have been uh, nation-building at home, as he was to call it. And I think we could expect similar reactions to Trump's visit to London. In other words, the people who think that he is causing tremendous damage to the fabric of American politics and life and damage to America's global position will see the reaction and say, look what this is causing in our most you know, loyal ally, the people who are on the streets uh, telling him to go home. The people who like him, on the other hand, might have a more complicated reaction because the people who like him tend to be quite Anglophile. And so they may be disappointed in the way that he's being received. He's not going to be received in the way that presidents with even a distant Irish origin were received in Ireland. And let's not forget Donald Trump has a Scottish mother. The first five presidents of the United States all were British subjects, but not, of course, by choice, and they all managed to change that pretty quickly. I think Trump might be have the closest relation to the British Isles of um, any modern president, certainly. I, I, I couldn't say for certain than any president since the uh, founding of the Republic, but most definitely one of the closest relations. And they, you know, the pro-Trump, Republican-leaning people might take it as a sign of, of the decay of uh, old Europe, which is still very much a theme in American perspectives and analysis, despite the fact that Donald Rumsfeld, who talked of the old Europe and, and so on, Donald Rumsfeld is not in daily circulation in American politics now. That idea that Europe is decaying and that this kind of protest to a democratically elected American president is a symptom to those people of the decay of Europe, a place where Countries don't step up to their 2% NATO defence expenditure or a country where they've got soft in various ways from socialism in various forms. So Americans will notice Losers, in other words. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) That They've committed a sort of um, Spenglerish world historical error and condemned themselves uh, to decline and decadence. And this will be on the cable channels because it will make very good visuals to have, you know, half a million people in the streets and a giant floating base overhead and so there will be an American reaction to this and they will notice it so it will be very bad PR for Britain in general I would suggest I think I agree because I think it, it would I mean I, I met a few people in the sort of Trump orbit and they all talk about Britain in a very you know I'd say it's sort of a, a Breitbart way they it's totally Islamified it's socialism has made it weak it's not the country it used to be and they sort of say it with sadness you know this is a great nation that's fallen fallen and they'll probably see this and think well yes that's exactly that's exactly what we expected from britain so i mean almost <laughs> yeah. the 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 protesters are uh, beautifully confirming the uh, trumpist worldview 
Yes, that's true in a way. And in a way, I think it's unfair in that I think the vast majority of people don't like Donald Trump. He rubs them up the wrong way. The vast majority of people don't like the Republican Party generally, mm. even if they vote conservative. But I do believe the vast majority of people in Britain uh, appreciate the use of an American alliance and are also hoping that the American system will be flexible enough and stable enough to absorb the shock of Donald Trump. And so the question is uh, whether Americans will also get to know that this is not entirely representative of British opinion. In other words, people might not like him, but they are not necessarily anti-American. And my understanding from looking at the list of the usual suspects who've organised the protests, these are profoundly anti-American and often anti-liberal, anti-democratic uh, organisations. And there's a mm. big... They are fringe groups who have collectively the ability to mobilise an impressive number of people. But I wouldn't say that they represent mainstream British public opinion on this. No, I think probably not. And actually, I, I mean, I've noticed every time I've done a, you know, radio call in or a public debate about Trump, not public, you know, with an audience, I'm always staggered by how pro-Trump people in Britain seem to be um, when you sort yeah, of rub yeah. past the, the surface horror. Well, to me, this comes down to class. I, I always uh, think, you know, that... Um, Middle-class British people dream of retiring in southern Europe and working-class English people dream of retiring to Florida. That mm. For the ordinary voter, uh, Donald Trump is actually much closer to their attitudes um, than, say, the people who, who run political parties in Britain or, or work in the media. Yeah. So I do the think British there is 401k. A, absolutely. There, you know, the famed white van man most definitely is closer to, to the Trumpist than we might like to think. In a day or two's time, the question will then turn to Trump and NATO. And many of the people who have been saying Trump is bad, this shouldn't be happening, will be saying we need America in NATO. NATO is fundamental to the post-1945 global order. We need Trump to make sure America steps up to its responsibilities. And Trump has a point when he's saying to Germany, pay 2%. You have all this euro surplus after all. Yes. So it's a, it's a complicated thing. People can dislike him, but actually want him to do more, in other words, than the previous president did to uh, prop up the Western uh, system. But Trump, I mean, Trump certainly does seem to have that personal affinity for Britain because of his mother and also a strong dislike of Europe as a, as a multilateral, multinational entity. And it, I mean, I'd have thought it would make sense for him before he comes here to lay it on thick with the pro-British rhetoric in the days before, as he did at Davos, and as he did the, when he came to Britain the day after Brexit and talked about, you know, what a beautiful country Britain is and how we'll always be front of the queue in any trade deal with him. And I just thought, if Trump turns on his orange charm and electrifies British vanity, I mean, it will, it will look very off if then we turn around and give him a big middle finger. Yes, it would. And uh, you, you might think that, that he would appreciate the directness and the bluntness, but I suspect that sentimentally he has this need for a connection and a need for it to be reciprocated. I'm afraid my understanding is that it's in the national interest to, as the Americans say, suck it up. And um, I, th I, and I think um, the government and uh, obviously the Queen too seem to understand this. Uh, the best thing that could possibly happen is that he says nice things. Photos are released showing him and the senior member of the royal family on a golf cart. 
and general a- affirmations of, of historical uh, links uh, are made and uh, hopes for a constructive economic future and how friends are friends and all that kind of thing. And, you know, he does delight in confounding everybody. And so you have to hope that he will do the confounding thing, which is, of course, to make nice. I, I, I think it, it, it seems almost inevitable that he will. But I, I'd have thought, I mean, from what we understand, it's all been kept very under wraps, but he'll be kept out of London as much as possible. And actually, out of London, he may find that there's p- pockets of the population where he goes down quite well. Well, certainly, they should take him to Stoke, you know, the, the yeah. sort of hard, hardcore Brexit land UKIP territory. Take him to Stoke, take him to Clacton. I think it'll all go very well. There is another variable in this, of course, which is it all depends on what happens in the football. Because if England beats Sweden... Saturday, then, then there's going to be a great upsurge of joy and tolerance and nationalism and all the rest of it. And in that case, his visit could be uh, received quite differently by the majority of people than if there's another sorry, narrow defeat, let alone on penalties, because people will feel much less uh, like they are in a sort of 51st state, in a vassal condition, if uh, the England team is able to assert itself internationally. And, of course, we may have played Russia on the Wednesday, so if England beats Sweden, we'll play Russia on the Wednesday. We could play Russia on the Wednesday if Russia beat Croatia somehow, which would then set up a very interesting dynamic with Trump then going to see Putin. This is exactly the kind of thing on the subject of, of, of sucking the it fates up for the are aligning. good. Yeah, the ideal thing would be to everyone to be nice to Donald Trump on Friday and Saturday, for England to win against Sweden on Saturday, and then fall before Russia, just before Trump's visit uh, with Putin. Yes, confirming Russian pride and lining up a great reconciliation uh, between the (laughs) Atlantic Alliance and Russia. And, of course, nothing is predictable in uh, politics or soccer, for that matter. But I thought Trump has has his finger on the um, cultural pulse enough to perhaps do a tweet about England's football performance or something while he's there. Yeah, he is a soccer fan, apparently. He watches soccer. He, he says that his son is particularly keen as well. And, and his wife, of course, is Slovenian. And they're quite a handy team, too. Uh, so, so he may be watching it, yeah. Well, Dominic, perhaps we could do one after the visit when we have seen just how large the protests are. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much for listening. Just a reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And you can also subscribe to the magazine through our special podcast offer, which is on www.spectators.co.uk forward slash pod offer. And we'll even throw in a spectator moleskin notebook for people who take up that offer. <laughs>